Are you looking for alternative investments and tangible assets that help you build and protect your wealth while empowering your financial future? Look no further than Eckerd Enterprises. With over 37 years of experience in the industry, Eckerd Enterprises is your trusted partner in the world of alternative investments and asset management. They have a track record of success with more than 1,300 investors who are on board and over 700 million in capital invested in tangible assets. Their specialty lies in offering immediate cash flow opportunities through mineral rights investments so that you don't have to wait decades to see your investments pay off. Their unique AML approach, born from decades of experience, focuses on aggregating, maturing, and liquidating assets strategically to maximize return. Join Eckerd Enterprises. Visit EckerdEnterprises.com today to begin your journey toward building and protecting your financial future. Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Kraus explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds. For those who have been listening to Grand Rounds for a while, I love highlighting other physicians who have done something to help others. And my guest today has actually started a group to help other OB docs who want to work locums. She did it to kind of fill a void in the space and to help other docs learn about locums, teach them how to directly contract with hospitals or groups, and then share jobs. And it was actually a labor of love and not a money-making venture for her, which I think is even more incredible. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Dr. Holly Shen. Hey, Holly. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And I think it's kind of funny that you just said labor of love because that's my logo on our page. Is, is it really? Labor, yes, labor of love locums. So that's... <laughs> I that didn't even think about use and labor. <laughs> yes, labor of love locums. But yes, we're the OBGYN women's locums physicians page. How did you come about, you know, trying to get these physicians together to kind of talk more about locums? What drove you to do that? So I kind of got to the end of my journey in the employed world after seven years of a private practice job and then another four years of a uh, hospital employed position and knew that I needed something different for myself and decided to take the jump into some travel locums work first kind of in my own backyard and then spreading out to wherever was most needed. I needed a resource. I needed somewhere to go to, to ask questions, to share what I learned, to clarify things, to see if I was doing this all wrong or maybe I was on the right track. And there just wasn't that space that was OB specific out there for me or anyone else to kind of go to and safely ask these questions and safely learn without competition, without us being, there's no negativity. It's just us learning from each other and supporting each other. It seems like across every specialty, there's this big push for people not wanting to be employed anymore for various reasons. Have you enjoyed that jump into the locums world versus being employed? It has been absolutely life-changing. So to have that control, the professional control in the realm of where you work, what time you work, your schedule, the type of work that you do, 
I don't necessarily do exactly the same work that I was doing before. Sometimes I'm just covering hospital shifts. Once in a while, I'm helping a clinic out, but I have the opportunity to decide what I do. I work on an hourly fee schedule so that I am not making decisions about patient care based on how much money, you know, is being brought in. So there's no RBU, no bonus, no none of that. I'm just there to take care of the patients and make the best choices possible for them in the time that I'm there. It also lets me stay out of the, you know, the ins and outs of the hospital or the, or the practice. I'm not involved in the drama. I'm not involved in the ongoing decision-making. I'm literally there to do my job to the best of my ability and then see you the next time that I'm back. So it's very freeing to separate off your life, your work life from your non-work life in a meaningful way to be able to say, okay, when I am at work, I am at work. That is all that I am. I'm because a lot of times I'm away. So I'm physically present at work. When I am at home, I am physically present at home. I am totally available. I am not working or on call. And it has just been an amazing way to balance things out. Whereas I kind of thought for many years when people mentioned the terms work-life balance, it was all just a farce. But Locums has been that answer for me to be able to separate my work and my life and to let me add in passions in my own time that I wasn't necessarily able to do before. Now, I think there's a lot of logistics that go into going from an employed model to working locums. And I guess what comes to mind for me is insurance, you know, whether that be malpractice or health insurance, because those are things that working for a company of some type typically provide. Was that a big issue for you when you made that jump? It is absolutely a barrier. Now, it's more of a perceived barrier than an actual barrier. So it's a perception that you can't get those items unless you're employed, but you totally can. A lot of us in this country work as independent contractors who aren't medical. So obviously those people have to have benefits as well. We are no different than them. So when it came to malpractice, OB is a very unique beast. We are the most sued and the highest monetarily sued. So people worry a lot about MedMal. When it comes to working through the locums agencies, they generally provide that for you. When it comes to working as a direct contractor, in my experience, I've been able to get slotted into the facility's medical malpractice. There's usually a number of days, as long as you cover less than a certain number of days per year, you're just added onto their policy. So that's not been an issue for me. But when it comes to health insurance, I did continue my COBRA for my other job until I knew what I was going to do kind of in a longer term sense. But health insurance wise, I'm, and I just talked to her this morning. She's actually fantastic, my agent. She's setting me up for the start of 2024. It's a private policy for independent contractors. It's heavily physician used and utilized. And it's actually much cheaper than my, than I was paying out of my check for my employed insurance. Also, I can write that entire premium off for the entire year as a business expense. It is essentially going to be cost me 40% of what my out-of-pocket total is going to be. So it's not bad at all. I think it takes a little bit of logistics and understanding what your options are. But any benefit that's available through an employer is available outside of an employer. That's amazing. Now let's talk about, I think it's a group on Facebook that you started to kind of talk about these things to help people who are just considering, you know, going from an employed model to a locums or independent contractor model. Can you talk a little bit about what you cover, what you talk about, what's available there? 
So there are about 705 of us right now, and the group has grown exponentially over the past few months. And we don't limit our topics, could be anything from this is what's going on in my current job situation, and you know, this is what's making me less happy. Do you guys have, you know, what do you have recommendations about that you love about your current locum space or independent space that would make me happier? How did you make the jump? So there's a lot of question and answer just in, in generalities. But there's a lot of education. So when I figure something out, I share it with my group. So I recently had to figure out how to switch over my DEA number at the last minute because I carry three of them and had a new job to come up. So I shared the process of how to switch your DEA license over and you know not have to pay for it or how to apply for your interstate medical license compact licensing. But the biggest thing I think that people found helpful, and I put this out about four or five months ago, was a getting started guide. So it basically covers from when that thought pops in your head of, I think I want to consider locums or independent contractor physician work to actually making the jump to getting that first job. And even after that, what you learn from working your first few gigs, your first few jobs. So it basically is a lot of checklists and planning and timelines and spreadsheets and learning how to run yourself like a small business. because. Each and every one of us who are working in the locum space or as an independent contractor, we are ourselves a small business. So you have to be ready to run yourself as a small business. So it's been just a ton of support, a ton of empowerment. And we also will share jobs that we know. If I know a good gig, I work with one recruiter specifically in the locum's company space. And if I know there's something that's going to pay what we think is acceptable and good in our space. We've kind of decided what we feel like the market should reflect. And if that meets it, I'm blasting it out there. I want to hook up as many docs with opportunities to care for patients as possible, at the same time empowering them to do it in the smartest, most educated way to move us forward. Before the show, we were kind of talking and you mentioned how having this group has actually empowered the doctors to ask for what you're worth. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and we're very careful about this because anything that comes to pay and reimbursement has Stark Law implications. So the Stark Law is essentially what is known very vaguely or very briefly as the physician anti-kickback laws. Those laws don't apply to third-party companies. So whenever we're talking about a job through a locums company, which is considered a third-party agency or a third-party company, then we are allowed to kind of decide what we set our rates for. Now, direct contracting is something different, but what we've kind of encouraged in our group is just transparency in general. It's very hard to understand what a mark, what fair market value is or fair market pay is for us when most of that information is held within the locums companies. And obviously, they're not going to want to share with their paying people. (laughs) So we just decided that within ourselves, we would be transparent at what rates we were seeing across the board so that we could understand, okay, that's way low and that's kind of out of the question, ridiculous, or no, that's way too high and you're not going to be able to find yourself opportunities at that pay level. So that transparency has just really opened people up to saying, to really standing their ground. When you're working with a third-party company, they're, you know, they're there to make profit. They're a company. That's kind of what they do. But we have to make sure that we're representing ourselves fairly in the market as well. So that transparency has just really opened people up to being comfortable saying, okay, this is the rate that I feel like I need to ask for this type of opportunity. 
So I love that's making people feel comfortable. And it's also helping me because it helps me in my negotiations as well. So OB has long been kind of the underpaid physician group. We in both traditional practice as well as locums. And we take on so much risk and liability when we go out to these outlying areas where we, the patients may have zero or very little access to care and they're coming into us with who knows what. And we're kind of left there, you know, catching whatever lies through the door. For us to understand that our value is so much more complex than just a dollar sign per hour, that what we're taking on is liability and incredible heaviness and risk, it just makes us feel more rewarded in the work that we do. So I'm going to take you back a minute. You mentioned the interstate licensing compact. I think Mm -hmm. there are so many physicians who don't even know what that is, and it's not available in every state. But can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So the majority of states in the U.S. do participate now. So this came about during COVID when we had so many docs needing to cross state lines to help out during COVID times. So they kind of followed the model of the nursing compact. So for many years, nurses have been able to license in multiple states, cross to do whether it was travel work or work in several states or whatever their choices were. But for physicians, that has always been very, very difficult to carry a couple of different licenses. It's just been very tedious and certainly to apply for one can take up to six months or even more. So now those states after COVID have, or most states have implicated the Interstate Medical Licensing Compact, which allows for your information, basically your, all the stuff that you have to have in place, your education, your training, your residency, your board scores, all that stuff that's basically has to be turned in for you to even be considered for a license. It's held in a repository and it's already verified. So it's handed over to the state and it basically gives a very quick head start towards a license. They still will need some more information and maybe an an actual application filled out, but it can make things move very quickly. I've gotten one in as quickly as 24 hours. Oh my so, yes. So if you find a last minute job that you really want to help with, but unfortunately you're not licensed in that state, The IMLC can greatly expedite your ability to get a license. The ones that have not, and I don't think will anytime soon, participate California. And that took me seven or eight months to get my license. And it's kind of crazy. Oregon took about four months for me to get my license in, which I carry one in both of those states. New Mexico is not participating. Virginia is not participating. Florida is not participating. And then up in the Northeast, there's a few states that aren't participating or are in the process of getting their legislation to approve participation because it's something that has to be approved on a state legislative level. If you have that, you have to have it seated. And I'm pretty sure you have to live in an IMLC state to have one initiated or activated. So my home state is Colorado. So my IMLC license is seated in Colorado. I then can let the IMLC know anytime that I want to add on another state And then I apply through that state medical board. The IMLC letter and information is transferred along with that application. And then usually you're very quickly approved. It just makes things super easy. Interesting. Is there a cost to belong to the IMLC? Yes. And I I wish I could tell you, I believe it's every four years that you have to renew the IMLC part of it. I believe it was under $1,000. I didn't pay for that license myself because at that point I was actually traveling through one of the hospital's companies. So they actually paid for that for me, which is fantastic. 
If you're working with a locums company, sometimes they will also cover that expense as long as you take and work at least one job for them. So that's another thing that if you do start out or associated with a locums company, ask them to get you your IMLCC because for them, it means nothing but more opportunities. You're going to be licensed in more states. They could offer you urgent last minute jobs, which will increase their chances of covering their urgent last minute jobs. So they always want people to be IMLCC certified if they can be. And it's really just no different than any other, you know, licensure application that you would complete. I think everyone's kind of familiar with the locums model going through an agency. They tell you about the job they have. Do you want it or not? Kind of a thing. But I know you've done a lot of direct contracting with hospitals. Can you talk about how that's different than going through an agency? Well, the first thing is that it eliminates an extra contract in the middle. So most people don't know when they work with a locums company is that there's a contract between the facility and the locums company. And then there's a contract or professional service agreement between the physician and the locums company. So the locums company has a contract with both. It's very rare that we either side know what is in each other's contracts. I have no clue what's in, you know, the facility contracts between my locations. I know it's in mine. And there can be things like non-competes or service areas that are limited or representation timeframes. Like if you work for this XYZ locums company, you can't work at that site or that maybe even that health system under any other contract except for them. So there is a bit of limitation that can come into play. I like direct contracts because, number one, I'm not talking to anyone about the job, but the actual facility or the actual physician group that needs coverage. There's no in-between. There's no, you know, nothing gets lost in translation. I'm directly in touch with them. What is your need? Tell me exactly what you would like of me helping out at your facility. Do I need to cover clinic? What are the patient encounters? How many days can I cover in a row and still be able to kind of do them back to back? So I have a whole preference list of what I like to cover in my jobs. And I'm able to ask those people directly the questions that I have instead of kind of waiting for some back and forth. They can also feel me out directly to see if it's a good fit. If you think that I'm a good fit for your facility based on my history, my work experience, my personality, what I can offer you, fantastic. If I hear about something in your job opportunity that kind of isn't my cup of tea, I can tell you right then and there, and we haven't really lost any time or effort. It's just kind of like directly interviewing and interacting with each other, which I think is better. The other side of it is pay, and we're very careful with that because of the Stark Law. Any hospital that's in a critical access or rural area, which is my passion, my cup of tea, I go to these tiny places that don't have coverage. They have the opportunity to pay what they want based on the acuity of need. So if they would not have opportunity to offer OB at their hospital, they would have to shut down their unit because they don't have coverage. That's a dire need. Things are a little bit more fluid in that type of scenario. But if I'm calling somebody who just wants somebody to cover extra shifts, things can be strict in that realm. So I'm very careful about how I discuss any type of compensation. I usually reference my current contracts that I have in place. So if I'm already working in that state or working a couple states over, I will usually just reference my current rate based on my current contracts. I'm essentially my own market at that point. So, But it lets me put into those contracts with the facility how many days I need cancellation for. It's really hard to be canceled 30 days in advance when your shifts are all set up. You can't get more shifts in 30 days. So all of my directs are at least 60, sometimes 90 days of notice for cancellation for shifts. That protects me. So that if I get canceled, I have time to find another job, time to find another gig. I'm the independent 
person bringing in income in my family. So I can't take a hit like that. It lets me put in the malpractice agreement. So if I'm going to be slotted into their medical malpractice, it lets me put that into it. It lets me be very specific in, you know, what the expectations or responsibilities of the job role are. Let's see what else. Those are the main, but it basically lets you and the facility decide what goes in a contract instead of it being, you know, something that's really not negotiable. And I also make sure there's no non-compete. So it's, hey, if I love your site and I'm moving there and taking a permanent job next year because I just fell in love with it, there's no buyout. There's no non-compete. There's nothing there. It is a strict, clean contract between me, the physician, and the facility that needs the care covered. Sorry, I'm not trying to get controversial with this topic, but I know I've read several articles lately that there are these developing OB deserts, primarily in states that have more restrictive laws as far as abortion access or whatever. Have you seen a lot more uptake in trying to get locums OB docs to those areas? Yeah, so that's not controversial at all. That is the truth. I mean, that's kind of the reality that we're in right now. I strictly take the critical access and rural opportunities for lots of reasons. I just love them, number one. So those deserts are showing up everywhere. The deserts, there's not one factor leading to them. Now, training-wise, opportunities for medical students and residents and maybe people choosing their where they're going to take permanent jobs, absolutely. The restrictions on you know maternal health are definitely affecting those areas, but not as a large factor. The biggest factor is the number of docs retiring out because the age... The average age of an OB physician right now is about 53. And most OB docs are either going to retire to GYN only, or we've had a lot retire out completely of medicine or take non-clinical jobs. And then you're having people concentrate by private equity. And this is where, to me, this is the controversial part. You're having doctors choose jobs in areas that are concentrating them based on private equity interests. So the nicer areas, the larger areas, the cities where they've bought these practices up and they can afford to offer higher salaries or better benefits. But also you got to think most of us are women. We have families, we have children. We have to, spouses have to have jobs and children have to have good education. So they're not going to choose these tiny rural places that are so far out because they can't cover all of those bases necessarily with the jobs that they're being offered. So what I'm seeing in the jobs that I'm picking up in these rural places are physician recruitment issues. They can't bring in any more new doctors because they just don't have the pull power for their salary or the call coverage because nobody's going to take a one in three call coverage job anymore coming out of residency. They are having people either leave or retire. They're having people go out on maternity leave or medical leave and they need shorter bits of coverage. Or these deserts are just opening up because the hospital systems are closing in general. The, the hospitals are closing OB. Then you're needing more doctors in the areas that are closer by to cover the outflow of patients from those areas that no longer have coverage. And last I looked, and these numbers are very hard to get your hands on, but there's about 10,000 open OBGYN jobs right now in the United States. Oh my gosh. That number is projected to be in the next, it's by 2030 is projected to more than double. So we don't have enough doctors coming out to take the jobs. We don't have enough doctors staying in medicine to take the jobs. And we don't have enough pull to the areas 
that need the coverage the most. So locums is going to become one of the most critical ways that we get doctors to areas that need coverage. And that is another reason why my page has evolved to kind of support getting people to mobilize people out. I will say just as a little, you know, secret note that I am meeting with an organizer. What's today? Today's Monday on Wednesday to figure out how we mobilize a bit better into these critical access and rural areas. And also working on a bill in Washington and Oregon to help mobilize us out to Washington and Oregon. That's fantastic. (laughs) Now, I think everything we talked about today probably applies to every specialty. I mean, you've given information about licensing and, you know, switching to EA and all of that. But if we have any OBs specifically who would like to get onto your group, your Facebook page, where would they find you? So they can either, so the group is private. We had quite a bit of issue with people trying to get in who didn't necessarily have a reason to be there. The group is private and not searchable. So you can either join through finding me. So I am just listed under my actual real name, Holly, H-O-L-L-Y, Hobbs, H-O-B-B-S, Shen, S-H-E-N. So if you find me on Facebook, you can send me a message and I can add you to the group. Or you can talk to anyone who might currently be a member of the group and they can always send out invites as well. So right now our invites are by admin or current members only. I also post in the obstetrician moms group. So if they're a part of the obstetrician moms group, I usually will put in a post every so often encouraging membership, inviting people to be part of the group if they want to learn more. But searching me is probably going to be the easiest way. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about today that you think is important that we should talk about before we close this up? I think, well, I didn't realize when I took on locums for myself, for my own personal lifestyle changes, that it would become a crusade. And (laughs) the more you learn about locums, especially in the OB space, but in many, many, many spaces, the more you learn that it has to become a crusade. It's so incredibly important for us to join together and collaborate, whether it's through these social media pages or whether it's through professional organizations. However, we are going to join hands and collaborate because right now medicine is at a, I think we're at a pretty critical point where things could definitely shift in positive or more negative ways. And right now we don't have a lot of control of that shift. The physicians aren't really in control of a lot of that shift, unfortunately. And we feel it. That's a lot of what our burnout, I think, kind of is cycled down to. But what I want everyone to know is that you need to find a way in your space to collaborate. You need to be talking to people. If you're unhappy with something in your employment realm, talk to more people that are in that realm or other realms to decide if there is something that you can do where you are or something that's maybe better, different outside of your realm. Talk to people, hook up with people, figure out if there are other groups around. That's how I found the, that's how I found Dr. Morganstein and my other collaborators who are not in the OB space, but we have so much to learn from each other. And we are learning that the power is there for us, for physicians to kind of turn things around into a more positive direction for us for medicine. But we have to figure out where and how we get to our seat at the table. And I think things like this, sharing education, sharing collaboration is the only way that we're going to figure out how to get our seat back at that table. I love it. I've had several people on, oh, over the past year or two, you know, that have taken back control of their own careers, whether that be through direct primary care, concierge medicine, locums, whatever it is, they took control. And I love that. I think it's great that people are starting to stand up and say, 
I'm the boss. I'm the one that's going to decide what I will and won't do. And just more power to you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And spread the word is always what I tell people. Just spread the word. There's happiness and change and alternatives out there. Just talk to people. Wonderful. Holly, I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show today and just sharing your knowledge. And I hope your adventure in life just gets better and better. Thank you so much. I couldn't have imagined a year ago that I'd be where I am now. And I'm so incredibly happy where I am, but also so much positive to come in the future and all the collaborations that I have made. And I'm just, like I said, I'm passionate to take on this crusade. Well, thanks everyone for listening. I hope you'll tune in again next week for Grand Rounds. For more information about alternative investments and asset management, visit EckerdEnterprises.com. And remember, Eckerd Enterprises is your gateway to tangible assets and lasting financial success. Visit Eckerd today.